Good morning, welcome to North Church. He is here to fill you again. All you have to do is ask him. Look to him in faith. We are standing on his faithfulness. Well, welcome to this last message in this series, um, Psalms in the Night. You are welcome to take a seat. We've been looking at the Psalms in the Night, the dark times in uh, David's life, when his best work was written. Those Psalms that have encouraged generations for years and years. When Pastor Rodney first mentioned this to me, I said, I'll take Psalm 62 because I memorized Psalm 62 a long time ago and I dug around and I found this pink NIV Bible, this women's Bible that was a gift from my mother-in-law. And the first note I have from Psalm 62 is back in February of 98. And so I memorized that back then whenever I was uh, having three little children and sleep deprived and all those things and I was trying to find rest. And I've faced many more darker nights since then but this passage has held me. It has helped me focus my mind and command my soul as we see David do. And I just wanna encourage you, if you're facing a dark night, if you've been through a dark night, that God can bring the best out of you through the darkness. That the choices you make in the darkness are gonna have eternal consequences for your life and for those you love. And God can do his sometimes his most powerful work for us when we surrender to him in the dark. Let's look at David's life. We don't know exactly what was happening in David's life when he wrote Psalm 62, but we know that we see words in here that we often find in 1 Samuel 20, chapter 22 and 23 when he's running from Saul and he goes to the rock in the desert or he hides in a stronghold. And we're gonna see those same words. And he says, my soul finds rest in God alone. My salvation comes from him. He alone is my rock and my salvation. He is my fortress. I will never be shaken. In these first two verses, he's taking responsibility for the well-being of his soul and he's commanding his soul where to look and where to find his rest, to look to his savior. And in verse three, we start seeing some of what's happening in his life. He says, how long will you assault a man would all of you throw him down this leaning wall, this tottering fence? They fully intend to topple him from his lofty place. They take delight in lies. With their mouths they bless, but in their hearts they curse. Can you feel his, his pain and his disappointment in that last line? Have you ever felt that way? That someone's blessing you to your face, but they're cursing you in their heart? Whether it's real or imagined, it's a horrible place to be, right? From there, David looks and he says, find rest, O my soul, in God alone. My hope comes from him. He alone is my rock and my salvation. He is my fortress. I will not be shaken. My salvation and my honor depend on God. He is my mighty rock, my refuge. Trust in him at all times, O people, Pour out your hearts to him, for God is our refuge. Those four verses, I've held on to those. I've preached those to myself in the dark night, and they have held me. The next few verses, we're gonna see what David's pointing out, some of the things that we're tempted to trust in besides God alone. He says, low-born men are but a breath. The high-born are but a lie. If weighed on a balance, they are nothing. 
together, they are only a breath. How often are we tempted to build our hopes on people, other vapors just like ourselves? Vapors can't stand up under that weight. We have to put our trust, our hope in God alone. You know, we're called to love one another and forgive one another, but we're never gonna find salvation in another person. And then we see in verse 10, do not trust in extortion or take pride in stolen goods. Though your riches increase, do not set your heart on them. He's telling us don't trust in power, your ability to connive, coerce, argue to get what you want. Don't trust in your riches. Proverbs 23 tells us that riches will sprout wings and fly away. They can be gone in the blink of an eye. All these things we're tempted to trust in at other times. Verse 11, one thing God has spoken, two things I have heard, that you, O God, are strong and that you, O Lord, are loving. Surely you will reward each person according to what he has done. Verses five through eight tell us what to do. Verses nine and 10 tell us what not to do. And then 11 and 12 give us the why. Because God is strong. He is all powerful. He is loving and merciful. And he's gonna hold us all accountable for the lives we've lived. You know, as sons and daughters of Adam, we're all born into sin. We're all born wanting our own way apart from God. And the innate desires of our flesh only grow progressively stronger, snowballing larger and larger apart from the redeeming power of Christ. Apart from Jesus, without his sacrifice, we're destined for a downward slope to eternal separation from God and his, his goodness, his holiness. So how do we overcome this nature that has been on selfish destruction. Our reading today in John chapter three tells us, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only, that whoever believes in him, believe, 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 will not perish but have everlasting life. Whoever trusts in him alone, so important that we look to him. We can learn a lot from David's life learn about his good times and the bad times. And I want us to look at how he appeared to have trusted and honored and obeyed God best when he was young, most when he was on the run, when his life was being attacked by his enemies. And this is a huge warning for each one of us because David blew it when everything was okay in the palace. When his enemies were no longer a threat, when he was no longer urgently dependent upon God, he fell into the trap of his ultimate foe and gave in to his fleshly desires. We've heard this preached about the last few weeks in this series. How are we like him? We're not fighting any Philistines, but we have the same enemy of our soul. And like David, we have the same fleshly desires. And could it be that we also are in greatest danger when we don't feel a threat, when we're not urgently depending upon the Lord our God, we're not seeking his face. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 19, it is very hard for a rich person to enter the kingdom of heaven. You know, we're so fortunate. And sometimes those riches seem to deceive us into thinking that everything's okay and we can make it on our own without him. 
but that's not the truth. We all need him. He's the only one that can save us from ourselves. You know, over David's lifetime, he had many successful victories, and his story in the Old Testament is the longest single narrative of a human life in all ancient literature, from the time he was a teenager to his 40 years reigning as king of Israel. And we can see all his success. He had so many victories. Unfortunately, we see that David didn't end as well as he started. Maybe it was because of all those victories. Maybe he thought he could disobey God and get by with it. David disobeyed God in a number of ways, but it really began after Samuel died and he started taking additional wives. He knew God's plan for marriage of one man and one woman, but he also faced hurt, betrayal, disappointment, and just like us, he rationalized all those reasons why he needed one more wife, right? Whether it was a political alliance or some other reason, he took on additional wives. There's six mentioned in First Chronicles chapter three, and that doesn't even mention Michael. But then he had all these kids. And you know, in the beginning, that might have been fun having all those babies. I mean, it sounds like sleepless nights to me, but people like babies. But those babies grew up into be sons that would war against one another and even threaten David himself. And that's what sin does. Sin degenerates. And we can see its impact on David and his family at the end of his life. Let's look at 1 Kings chapter two. This is gonna be David's final commands to his son Solomon, who's taking his throne. He's passing on his final words and he says to him, I'm going where everyone on earth must someday go. I'm not gonna read all this for sake of time, but he's telling Solomon, take courage and be a man. Observe the requirements of the law of the Lord your God and follow all his ways. Keep the decrees, commands, and regulations so that you may be successful in all you do. I want you to obey God. But there's also something else. There's a little something else. Do you know what Joab, son of Zariah, did to me when he murdered my two army commanders? He pretended that it was an act of war, but it was done in a time of peace, staining his belt and sandals with innocent blood. Do with him what you think best, but don't let him grow old and go to his grave in peace. Is this David writing this? Saying this? Oh, and be kind to the sons of Barzillai, because they took care of me, so I want you to take care of them. And then remember Shimei, son of Jerah, he cursed me with a terrible curse as I was fleeing. And I swore by the Lord that I would not kill him, but that oath does not make him innocent. You are a wise man, and you will know how to arrange a bloody death for him. Okay, is this the same guy? Who he was chased, he was in the cave, he's been chased and chased by Saul, and he won't touch him. And now here at the end of his life, he's commanding his son to take revenge on his enemies. This is not trusting in the Lord alone. When he says, I want you to observe the commands, but I want you to take care of those who take care of you, pay back wrong to those who wrong you and make sure you show up at church every once in a while so that you'll be successful in all you do. Okay, it kind of sounds like the American way, but that's not God's way. God calls us to trust in him alone, to trust him to take care of our enemies. If you read about the rest of Solomon's life in 1 Kings, you'll see that David's advice did not work well for Solomon. 
and it doesn't work well for us either. David succeeded when he loved God and when he trusted him alone, when he trusted him in all things. And so we can see the crux of the matter in David's life. Will we believe and trust in God and his way? Or are we gonna trust in ourself and how we can work it out? Are we gonna trust in him when it hurts, when our flesh wants something entirely different? Are we gonna trust in him alone and obey in him and trust, obey him and trust him to work it out? Or are we gonna take matters into our own hands? Like David, our problems come when we refuse to trust in the reality of God's presence, when we forget that God is strong, that he is loving, and that he will repay or reward each person according to what they have done. He is going to take care of it. The reality of God's presence is not dependent upon where we are. The reality of God's presence is dependent upon our determination to believe that he is with us and that he's always been here, that he's seen it all, and he is working on our behalf. Faith is believing that he is here, where it's keeping that reality of God's power, his love, and his eternal purposes fixed in our hearts, trusting in him alone. Often the reality of God's presence is made clearest when we find ourselves alone in the dark. Whether it's due to affliction, heartbreak, loss, sickness, or failure, it's in the dark that his strength, his love, his salvation shines the brightest. Just like the best sunrise comes after the darkest night, right? The most beautiful. God can bring the best out of the darkness if we trust him, if we put it all in his hands. The least we can do is learn how to say thank you, right? Anybody been through a dark time? I mean, aren't you thankful 2020's over? I've just been reminding myself this morning, it's not 2020. Thank you, God. Thank you, Lord. He can bring the best out of us in our dark times. We can have the greatest influence on those around us by the choices we make in the dark. We can learn to treasure the gifts we gain through our darkest nights. John Trapp said it this way, they trust not God at all who trust him not alone. He who stands with one foot on a rock and one foot on quicksand will sink and perish as certainly as he that stands with both feet on quicksand. So I wanna ask you today, what are you trusting in? Are you trusting in yourself? Or are you trusting in him? In this dark night, are you gonna do it your way or are you gonna do it his way? Hold on to him. Command your soul as David did to find your rest in God alone. Stop trying to soothe the ache of your soul with more talking, more therapy, another pill, more money, more people. It doesn't work. Let's find our rest in God alone. Is it really not enough to get, out, to get down on your knees and cry out to him alone? I'm gonna ask you to stand. I'm gonna have the prayer team come forward again. And if you want to cry out to the Lord and agree with someone in prayer, if you're in a dark night, that is what they're here for and they want to agree with you. He is faithful. Let's fix our eyes on him, God alone. Father, we love you. You're so faithful, God. You're so good to us, Lord. You are more than enough. Your grace is sufficient. Father, we repent 
for relying on other people, on power, on our possessions, God, on ourselves. Lord, may we fix our eyes on you. May our souls find rest in you alone. God, we worship you. We thank you for your faithfulness. God, you've never left us. You've never forsaken us. You're bringing out the best in us, Lord, and we commit ourselves to you. In Jesus' name, amen.